1: Bobby, after a long and complicated off season, we really haven't had much time to discuss this in a morning vault, but it really took more than two years altogether. So we had to come back to it. The Ravens ultimately showed Lamar Jackson just how much they really do love him in the end, culminating with last week's extension.
2: Yeah. And Sarah, that love that you speak of, it's garnering a boatload of national attention. Here's ESPN's Mina Kimes.
3: How many times do we complain about this passing offense over the last few years? Not just the weapons, but the offense, the scheme being limited. And what did the Ravens do? You talked about the players that they added. They also go out. They changed their offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin. Hopefully that should improve the passing attack. But you got to think – Lamar Jackson maybe wasn't in lockstep with the organization on all of this, but the fact that they were willing to go into this offseason and for the first time make all of these changes to actually improve Lamar's circumstances, to not say you have to be Superman and put this team on your back every time we get to the postseason. A lot of drops in those games, Stephen A. I think that's huge for the organization in terms of building goodwill and showing Lamar Jackson we are committed to you as the quarterback Of this franchise for the long term we are not going to ask you to carry this team on your legs over and over i love the additions i love the zay flowers draft pick i think he's such a great compliment to obj and rashad bateman because of his speed and separation ability and i for one am extremely excited to watch this ravens offense for the first time in a while i think they'll be very competitive yeah
2: oh yeah competitive well balanced multi-dimensional and in attack mode, at least that's what I'm hoping, knowing Todd Munkin's track record as a play caller, Sarah. Yeah,
1: and Bobby, even more than that, it really has been an off season full of tweaking and revamping all the stuff. It's rejuvenating. Everything's been going on. So just to kind of look at some of the most notable things over the last several months here in Baltimore. On January 19th, it's probably the biggest move to start this whole thing off. The Ravens parted ways with Greg Roman. And then on February 14th, on Valentine's Day, they hired new offensive coordinator Todd Munkin. And a little bit more than a week later, they parted ways with strength and conditioning coach Steve Saunders. And you know that big one. On April 9th, they signed wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr., all culminating to the 27th of April, the Thursday of the draft. They agreed to a five-year deal with Lamar Jackson, that was worth $260 million, $52 million a year, the most ever in NFL history. And then finally, from that extension, on through the weekend, the Ravens drafted a six-man class, including the headliner, wide receiver, Zay Flowers.
2: In other words, they've been busy. And this front office, led by Eric DaCosta, has backed up the big game that it spoke during the end-of-season press conference, right? Like, most notably, of course, completely rebuilding and retooling the wide receiver room. And, you know, we shouldn't forget about a couple other moves that may have fallen under the radar, too, while we're at it here. T. Martin will now work closely with Lamar as his official quarterbacks coach. Greg Lewis was brought in from Kansas City to serve as wide receivers coach. And then they also added Nelson Aguilar into the mix for some depth. So that's just a name a few of the moves that probably haven't gotten a ton of the attention, but should.
1: Yeah, it really has been a full revamping. That's what happens when you get a new offense with a new offensive coordinator. Then, obviously, so many new faces in that wide receiver room. But, Bobby, here's the thing. Adam Schefter, he reaffirmed something that we had already previously thought on Monday. And that's related to the role OBJ signing played in locking in Lamar
2: yeah so Schefter was asked point blank by Max Kellerman if OBJ's deal ultimately helped get Lamar's across the finish line and he had this to say in response definitely I think to think that Odell's presence in Baltimore was a non-factor would be a mistake now Lamar Jackson, still the biggest factor here was getting the opportunity he wanted, getting the deal he wanted, and the deal in the end is $52 million a year
4: with $185 million in guaranteed money. That means a whole lot more than
2: Odell Beckham Jr. But bringing him in, making that job and that situation that much more attractive, I think they believe it certainly helped that situation. It didn't hurt, that's for sure, Max. So, Sarah, if Shefty's spot on here, which makes a whole lot of sense to both of us, the idea of Baltimore being willing to overpay OBJ, albeit just a one-year deal, is totally worth it in the long run, knowing what it more than likely meant to Lamar. So, look, is is there now added pressure on Lamar's plate as the NFL's highest paid in terms of average annual value player? Yeah, absolutely. But finally, there's no longer this black cloud hanging over the organization and fan base and you watch I'm on record for saying this I'll say it again assuming number eight is able to do what he's done consistently throughout his entire regular season career and that's just flat out win a ton of games I think folks are going to choose to have short memories about everything that transpired this offseason as long as the W's are coming in that side of the column
1: still to come here on the vault Baltimore decided against using Patrick Queen's fifth year option but Roquan Smith Yeah, he's still planning on balling out with him this season and made a bold statement about their potential together.
2: So, Sarah, this one didn't come as a surprise whatsoever. The Ravens declined the fifth-year option of inside linebacker Patrick Queen on Monday. That's according to Ian Rappaport from NFL Network and, of course, the ever-reliable Jeff Zarevic of The Athletic here locally in Baltimore. Has PQ had any kind of reaction to this since?
1: Yeah, not yet, Bobby. Not that we've seen. He did retweet Rappaport breaking the news, and then he liked a couple replies. Queen hit that like button on one tweet that argued that he was playing well before Roquan Smith arrived. It was a little argument between a couple of fans. And then PQ also liked another tweet that read... Quote, he is one of three players with at least 300 tackles, 10 sacks, and three interceptions since 2020. The others were Smith and Bobby Wagner. And then the fan went on to say, dang, you got to do a lot in the NFL to get a bag, SMH.
2: So as we spoke about, you know, at length in our various live streams over the weekend, the Ravens used their third round pick this year on another inside linebacker in Clemson's Trenton Simpson and after that selection was announced we know that PQ got on Twitter and simply tweeted sheesh that was it it was a cryptic message but I mean it didn't exactly scream like welcome to Baltimore Trenton you know like that's his new teammate so anyway do you think that that draft pick alone has anything to do whatsoever with the Ravens decision to decline his option or is this a bigger thing?
1: I mean, I suppose it could be some sort of small factor. Trenton might be, but I really don't think it had any sort of major impact because Bobby, based on the signals Eric DeCosta was giving off before that pick, it already seemed like an inevitable move. DaCosta was asked multiple times if he was going to pick up the option last month and he declined to comment each and every single time. And obviously Bobby, the biggest signal of all was when EDC traded a second round pick for Roquan Smith and then made him the highest paid inside linebacker in the NFL, paying him 20 million per season. Now, the cap hit for Roquan Smith in 2024 is scheduled to be 13.5 million. And Queen's fifth-year option, well, it would have been 12.7 million. There is no way the Ravens were going to pay 30 million at one position especially when they're already paying Lamar Jackson, Ronnie Stanley, Mark Andrews, and Marlon Humphrey. You just can't give that much money to one position like that.
2: So it's pretty much abundantly clear that Queen will likely not be a Raven come 2024 when you start to read the tea leaves. But I think what a lot of folks are wondering is what about this upcoming season, like this fall? We know that PQ scrubbed his social media account of all things Ravens. Roquan isn't going anywhere. He is a defensive cornerstone piece. Simpson was drafted to be the future, you would think, next to Roquan. They have Malik Harrison. They have Delshawn Phillips. They have Christian Welch. And the undrafted guy in Josh Ross, who I'm really high on. So, again, the question continues to be, could queen be traded before the start of the season?
1: Yeah, that is the question that everyone is asking Bobby. As you know, it's also the question you and I debated pretty intensely over the weekend. Uh, we don't need to revisit all of that, but it seems that there are some in a hurry to trade him away. But Bobby, as you know, don't count me in that group because first off, I believe the Ravens are in a win now mode and the queen Roquan duo is a legit strength on this Ravens roster. The Ravens like what Queen provides while he's still on a cheaper rookie deal. Here's EDC from just this last weekend.
2: We love Patrick. I love Patrick. Patrick is, in my mind, uh, one of the better will linebackers in the league. He's smart. He works his butt off. He's got a bright future. I think he's a Pro Bowl linebacker uh, in the making. And so, uh, you know, uh, in Trenton, we get a guy that was Honestly, I mean the very best player available at the time. That's our philosophy. That's how we build our team. Uh, the fact that he's an outstanding special teams player factored in, because that's you know that 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 transcends positional defensive football. That guy's going to be on the field for us, helping us win games, and that's a huge thing for us. We love his mentality. We love his background, his family, and it was an easy pick for us to make.
1: And I agree with Eric. If Queen <laughs> plays as well as he did last year, next to Roquan, he'll be a serious contender for the pro bowl. And that will mean big things for him in a contract year. He'd be in line to get a huge, huge payday come March, which in turn would mean a potential third round compensatory pick for the Ravens. So unless another team comes knocking on the door with at least second round value, or unless EDC could use queen as bait in a trade for, I don't know, like a blue chip cornerback, I think Patrick Queen playing at M&T Bank in 2023 brings the most value to both the Ravens and to PQ. He'll be in the perfect defense with the perfect partner in Roquan to audition for a big bag. And since the Ravens, as I said, are in a win-now mode, there's plenty of value in keeping him this year. And Bobby, you know this. Roquan Smith is excited to play with Queen for another year, and you know that we both know that because Roquan told us both that on Thursday here on the show.
5: Oh man, I love playing uh beside p q uh and I think he's a he's a great player before I got to Baltimore, and I think he's gonna he's just continuing to get better and he's so young and still really like I feel like he's just getting over the hump and about to probably come into his own this upcoming season because the type of ball that he was playing at the end of the season last year I'm like wow I was shocked he wasn't like uh pro bowl but I know how that stuff goes at times and uh at least uh some form of all pro but you know I told him that's what that's what he got to grind harder for this year because I've been in that position as well and I'm just excited to uh go to war with him and he's been you know telling me that he's you know busting his tail uh each and every day getting ready for the season So I'm excited to line up against him because I think me and him healthy, there's no two better linebackers in the the league, and I put my name on that.
2: Okay, Sarah, the national media let us enjoy just a few days of celebration after the Lamar Jackson extension and the draft before they started a new narrative that is probably going to frustrate some of the Ravens' flock fan base. So what do you have?
1: Yeah, they don't have the holdout narrative anymore, Bobby, and they can't call Lamar greedy or the Ravens cheap anymore, so it's on to the next. They're all now using Lamar's new contract against him. Let's just start out. Check this out. This question posed to Rich Eisen.
0: Lamar Jackson. Yes, sir. He got paid, huh? He did. You should thank Jalen Hurts. Uh, has to deliver a title to make this new deal worth it.
4: Um, Sure. I'll go with that. I'll go with
1: it. No, I will not go with that. I think it's lazy and I think it's unfair because any top 10 quarterback gets the next historic deal, barely edging out the previous one. And that's literally how the QB market works. Lamar got a fair market deal. So are we going to say that about all the other guys who got fair market deals? Jalen Hurts, was his deal not worth it if he doesn't win a Super Bowl? What about Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen? They've all gotten market deals in the last couple of years and none of them have won a title. So are we saying none of their deals were worth it? I hope so, if that's the standard that they're gonna to apply to Lamar. But it's a lazy and overly simplistic standard. And to Eisen's credit, he did think better of it and started to push back.
4: How many of these quarterbacks are gonna get paid like this? All of them. All of them are going to get paid like this. And And they better win. Not all of them are going to win a Super Bowl, though. So is it going to be a complete disappointment? No. What you need to do is you need to try. You need to have a seat at the table. You got to give it a whirl. This is a market value deal. If he doesn't win a Super Bowl, then it's not worth it. Of course it's worth it to keep him. The alternative is not nearly as acceptable.
1: Bobby, Rich is exactly right. Of course, the Ravens hope to win a Super Bowl with the moves they made, but other teams are going all out too. It's a deep conference, and only one is going to make it to the championship game. So that can't be the only standard to decide whether market deals are worth
2: it. You know, Sarah, there's another narrative that's starting to surface as well, and I've already seen it across multiple national sports shows on various channels. So. The folks that Speak for Yourself had a segment asking the panel if Lamar is out of excuses at this point, which is kind of funny because I never remember him making any excuses in the first place, but nonetheless... Here's Emmanuel Acho.
4: Lamar Jackson is officially out of excuses, like done. Dunzo 25, Dunzo Joy Taylor, Dunzo Dave Hellman. All of the excuses for Lamar Jackson, they're finito. They're finished. Think about this, y'all. They said Lamar Jackson's OC, the OC that helped Lamar Jackson become a unanimous MVP. They said that he was holding Lamar back. So what did they do? They got rid of the OC, and they brought in Todd Munkin. Old OC, you gone, Todd Munkin, you in. What else did people say? Well, they need to get Lamar Jackson some help at the wide receiver position. they not just with draft picks, get him a proven vet. So they paid Odell Beckham probably 3x his value, $15 million worth up to $18 million because people said Lamar Jackson needs a proven vet. Okay, they did that. What else did they do? Well, Lamar Jackson, he needs more receiver help. Odell's not necessarily proven. You go get Zay Flowers, a burner, 442 in the 40 out of Boston College, a elite speed wide receiver now you got Zay Flowers there plus Rashad Bateman plus Odell Beckham plus Nelson Aguilar plus uh, Mark Andrews plus J.K. Dobbins in the backfield Lamar Jackson in my mind has been given more than any quarterback has been given since I can remember you could suggest Jalen Hurts was given just as much as Lamar Jackson but what did Jalen Hurts give the Eagles in return He took him to the Super Bowl.
2: And Sarah Acho isn't the only one saying this, again, within the national media. Here's ESPN's Stephen A. Smith.
4: And even while we sit here and applaud the greatness of Lamar Jackson, and we're so grateful and happy that he got his bag, we're still here holding him accountable by saying, yo, bro, now you got to show out, you got to go out there and show out and validate all the hoopla has been thrown in your direction because there's no excuses. We're looking at personnel now. Everything we said the Baltimore Ravens should do, they went out and did. did it. And gave you your money. No. Now you got to show up no, and no. get it done. We're still sitting here and we're saying, yo, bro, no excuses.
1: All right, Bobby. So first, I think it's fair for guys like Acho and Stephen A to point out everything that the Ravens have done to not only pay Lamar a historic deal, but also to surround him with wide receiver help because Baltimore's front office has rightly been criticized for not doing so in the past. And they took longer than many would have liked, but now they've delivered and they deserve that credit. So I think it's fair to say that, you know, Acho and Stephen A and whoever else are going to hold Lamar Jackson accountable. I get that. But what I want to know is, what do they mean that he's out of excuses? Out of excuses for what?
2: Well, Sarah, apparently you and Joy Taylor are on the exact same page because she asked the exact same question.
4: Joy Taylor's more out of excuses. Excuses for what? Excuses for not winning multiple playoff games. I guess you would have. So that's always gotta be everyone. One he's
3: got to win multiple playoff
4: games. I think he has to probably. Go to the AFC Championship, but it's saying the same thing that you got to win multiple playoff games unless you have to buy.
3: Okay, again, I always just like to know what the parameters are. Like, are we, are we saying because we're saying like Aaron Rodgers? If Aaron Rodgers just gets in the playoff, it's a wonderful success. So <laughs> I just I want to know what this what the measurement is for success.
2: And then here's Joy and other panelists Dave Hellman's push back to Acho's no excuses narrative. How many quarterbacks in the AFC are we saying this about now?
0: Because I got a I got a list. Okay, so if there's no excuse for Lamar. We're saying there's Good not point. any excuses. There's not any excuses for Aaron Rodgers. Nope. Definitely not any excuses for Deshaun, a fully guaranteed Watson. <laughs> and oh, don't forget about Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. who bombed spectacularly with a supposed turnkey opportunity. According to a lot of people, he's got to bounce back. And I'll throw Josh Allen, Josh Allen, in as well, just because yeah. the Bills yeah. have been favorites some... for a couple of years. I mean, that's that's a whole playoff field right there. You also left off Joe Burrow. I did. You also left off Justin Herbert. Oh, I forgot Herbie. Yeah, put him on there. For Matthew,
3: Matthew Stafford went to a pretty nice situation. Jalen Hurts, obviously. Zach Prescott. I mean,
0: well, I was thinking. A- 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 I was a- thinking AFC. That AFC. That's AFC. That's I was that's thinking AFC. That's AFC. That's a lot. Okay, okay, okay. I
3: mean, Matthew Stafford's not, not in the AFC. Like, there's, there's a lot of quarterbacks who are in a lot great situation. Yes. That don't make it to her win the Super Bowl because, Shady, it's hard to do that. Hard to do that. Right? But from my perspective, Lamar Jackson really hasn't had that many excuses made for him. Lamar's always been held to this very extreme standard because he is such an electric player. I mean, coming into the league after winning a Heisman, there were people saying he wasn't good enough to play the position.
1: Thank you, Joy Taylor and Dave Hellman. First off, Lamar has never once made an excuse about his playoff record. Bobby, you alluded to the fact that he hasn't. He's never put blame on his teammates or anyone else. He always points to himself. And secondly, as they alluded to, there are six quarterbacks in the AFC who have been paid top-of-the-market quarterback deals in the last couple of years. Six. And it's expected that two more are about to come down the pike, as they said with Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. So that'll bring it to eight. Bobby, there are only seven AFC playoff spots. And then there are only two spots for the AFC championship game, which Acho is saying Lamar must reach or or what? What, Acho? He's not a good quarterback? Sorry, but get out of here with that for me. Yes, of course the goal is the playoffs. Of course the goal is the AFC championship. Of course the goal is the Super Bowl. But that's the goal for all eight of those quarterbacks. Not everyone's going to make it that's the reality and that's why it's a lazy take to say afc championship or you're a failure or it's a bad contract but if you're going to stick to that if you're going to stick to that narrative saying it's no excuses for lamar then you better be doing it for everybody else otherwise you're unfairly targeting number eight
2: still to come here on the vault jeff zarebik's winners and losers within the ravens from the 2023 nfl draft
1: bobby with the nfl draft now in their rear view mirror the athletics jeff's rebeck detailed who he feels are the winners and losers within the ravens organization
2: yeah so why don't we just start with kind of ripping off the two lists uh winners he has eric da todd munkin tyler huntley lamar jackson both jk dobbins and gus edwards ben cleveland and john simpson here's the losers category patrick queen Ravens fans who covet one o'clock games on Sundays. That's an entire category within a category. Devin Duvernay, James Prochet, and Tylen Wallace. And how about this one? The Ravens don't care about the receiver position crowd uh, flanked by the young cornerbacks group. So obviously we don't have time to run through his reasoning behind every single name and category, Sarah, but... That's the full list, and there's a couple petty ones on there, which I love.
1: Yeah, and some are pretty obvious, and ones that we've already covered extensively in recent episodes, like Eric DaCosta and, hello, Lamar Jackson. We all know why they've had themselves a banner offseason, but Bobby, let's pick apart a couple of these here. What was Jeff's reasoning for having Dobbins and Edwards listed as winners?
2: Yeah, so he basically details how much perceived interest Baltimore had in Texas running back B. John Robinson, who ultimately ended up being selected eighth overall by Atlanta. So there was no way the Ravens were moving into the top 10. And being that they didn't address the position at all throughout the draft or via free agency, it reaffirms what we already believed to be true a week ago, right? And that's that the front office is all in on riding the Dobbins-Edwards combination this fall while sprinkling in Justice Hill when need be.
1: And I think a similar vote of confidence applies to Tyler Huntley, right? I mean, he now sits in the driver's seat as a shoe in to serve as Lamar's backup this fall because Baltimore opted not to pull the trigger on a quarterback in both the draft and free agency, at least to date. But let's keep moving through this. What did Jeff have to say about starting left guard candidates, Ben Cleveland and John Simpson, being listed as the winners?
2: Yeah, so basically with Ben Powers departing for Denver in free agency and the Ravens choosing to draft both developmental tackle, Malaisala Amuvai Laulu. I've had some time to work on that. Thank you, Big Salah. I should apologize to you for what I did to you over the weekend. I'm going to keep working on this uh, as we move forward. But uh, both Big Salah and guard Andrew Voris, uh, those guys being drafted. And by the way, Voris is likely going to miss all of 2023 as he recovers from that torn ACL sustained at the combine. The team is basically making it known that, hey, Cleveland, Simpson, You guys are set to compete for starter honors at left guard. Now, although Baltimore could always bring in a free agent interior O-lineman at any point, but those guys are the front runners right now. So if I'm Ben Cleveland, I am showing up all offseason long, making sure I'm in shape because – It's your job to lose as far as I'm concerned.
1: All right, so moving on to the losers of this year's draft, we've already covered why Patrick Queen finds himself on Jeff's list, being that Baltimore-drafted Clemson linebacker Trenton Simpson to serve as his future replacement. But what does Jeff have for the young cornerbacks?
2: So the angle that he takes here is roster projection, knowing that, hey, another DB is now in the mix, right, with the drafting of cornerback Caillou Blue Kelly. And we're also operating under the assumption that a veteran cornerback is probably on his way to Baltimore in the near future as well. So while those moves don't necessarily directly affect the likes of Brandon Stevens, Jalen Armour Davis, Pepe Williams, and Trayvon Mullen, some tricky decisions are going to have to be made at the end of the summer. And I don't foresee all of those names that I just mentioned making the 53-man roster. So really... It's just about number crunching.
1: All right. So the category, which I thought was pretty clever from Jeff, uh, the Ravens fans who covet 1 p.m. Sunday games. Uh, that's that's me, by the way, Bobby, when we're up till past midnight. Yeah, I like those 1 p.m. games. So uh, that is a pretty obvious one. And we recently learned that the NFL's annual schedule release is set for next Thursday, May 11th. And by the way, in case you were wondering, we will be live streaming from about 7.30 to 10 that evening. But with the star power littered up and down Baltimore's roster, I expect the league to honor that and max out as many primetime games as possible, which is five on the initial schedule. So there's that one that right there, that's pretty obvious on Jeff's list, but let's finish here, Bobby. What did Jeff have to say on returning receivers in Duvernay, Prochet and Wallace?
2: Well, first and foremost, I think you and I are going to have a bunch of wee hour nights ahead of ourselves uh, (laughs) this fall, you know, on whether it's on Sunday nights, Monday nights, Thursday nights. But uh, yeah, I expect that number to be five as well. And then, like I said, you know, Jeff made it clear that's the initial schedule. That means there could still be a flex job at some point throughout the season, based on how things shake out down the stretch. So anyway, it is no secret how much of an emphasis the front office put on retooling the wide receiver room this offseason. We all know it. And assuming everyone stays healthy, Proche and Wallace have got to be looked at as 53 man roster bubble players right later on this summer. And given the additions of Odell Beckham Jr., Zay Flowers, Nelson Aguilar, and Rashad Bateman ret- returning for his third NFL season it's fair to wonder how many touches will be coming Duvernay's way, right? Offensively speaking, we know how valuable he is as a return specialist. But to me, Sarah, the moral of the story here is that it's not a great year in Baltimore to be an undrafted rookie wide receiver, right? Like, like Dante Dimas from College Park or one who could potentially find himself on the outside of their top five like Prochet and Wallace. For once in the Lamar era, for once. There's real competition and depth in this wide receiver room.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Learn more at Marines.com.
2: So there's an abundance of evidence that the NFL Players Association was in contact with Lamar Jackson during his two-year negotiation process with the Ravens. We know this, Sarah. And there was even a feeling that the union's involvement was at least partly to blame for the long standing stalemate before a deal was ultimately struck last Thursday.
1: Which is why it comes as little surprise, Bobby, that two reports indicate that Lamar ultimately – rejected the advice that the players union was giving him and union representatives were reportedly left out of the final negotiations that led to the 260 million dollar deal all right so a league source told mike florio of pro football talk that quote the nflpa ultimately was not involved in the discussions that culminated in the deal early in the process the union had been assisting jackson who has no NFLPA certified agent, close quote. And then Bobby also, there's another report from NBC's Peter King, who wrote, quote, I really applaud Jackson here. And not only for the contract he's agreed to, I applaud him because for months, his union pushed for him to get a fully guaranteed contract. Veteran player leaders wanted that too, close quote. Then King went on to explain why Jackson couldn't accomplish that feat in today's market, And then he added, quote, Jackson read the landscape right. After Hurt's deal got done, Jackson hopscotched it. Now he has the richest deal ever. And I'll explain the deal more in a minute. Uh, And then he says, quote, it takes a smart person to realize I can either dig my heels in and be stubborn and never back down. Or I can do what's best for me and find a middle ground, close quote.
3: Yeah,
2: that's well-written stuff from Peter there. As per usual, he's one of the best reporters in the business. And Sarah, evidence shows he's right. Many details of a September offer from the Ravens to Lamar have been leaked to ESPN, which clearly cited that the NFLPA was the source of that leak. Then in February, NFLPA President Demoris Smith confirmed on the Pivot podcast that the union was indeed helping Lamar in this contract negotiation and made clear that the ultimate goal was for fully guaranteed money. And finally, after speaking with owner Steve Bishotti, Tony Lombardi of Russell Street Report said that it seemed like Lamar And EDC would make progress in negotiations, but would then take another step back after Lamar would get advice from the union.
1: I mean, all of that kind of put together, it really did seem like there was this third party that made things a little bit more complicated at times. But I just want to make clear, Bobby, that I have zero problem with Lamar trying to get a fully guaranteed contract or to be more accurate, as accurate as possible, as Josina Anderson said, he wasn't seeking 100% fully guaranteed deal, but something in the neighborhood of what Deshaun Watson got of $230 fully guaranteed. So just want to make sure that we get the nuance there. And guess what? If I were Lamar, I would have tried that too, whether the union was advising me or not. But ultimately, as Peter King said, The market wasn't offering him that and he deserves to be applauded for kind of moving on from what the NFLPA was trying to sell him. And he ended up getting the richest contract in NFL history in several categories outside of fully guaranteed money. And it should be noted that he did it without an agent. So, Bobby, I want to give a few more contract details that King provided that we didn't have initially before when the news first broke that they had agreed in principle. Okay, so we already knew that Lamar got that $52 million annually, and then we know that the total was $260 million. But according to King, Lamar also got $135 million fully guaranteed at signing, which is the second most in the NFL behind Deshaun Watson, and that's 51% of his entire contract. And then he also got $185 million in injury guarantees, which is, again, the most ever in NFL history. And that's 71% of his entire contract. Now, we're still missing some metrics. We still need to find out total guarantees, including the rolling and springing, if there are any in there. We don't know the cat hip structures. We don't know the three-year cash flow, which is very important, signing bonuses, and then the conversion of that injury guarantee to a fully guaranteed after one year. So those are metrics that we're still waiting on, but those were Still two new numbers, especially that $135 million fully guaranteed at signing.
2: I mean, let's be honest. Lamar really did go and get himself a pretty solid deal, and those numbers prove exactly that. The Ravens got what they wanted, which was a traditional structure to boot. But, Sarah, just to be abundantly clear, since fully guaranteed was such a major talking point in the media for the last two years, and you obviously were all over it, uh, how does this $135 million fully guaranteed at signing compared to other quarterbacks who've recently signed as well?
1: Yeah, I've gotten that question a lot on social media, Bobby. So Lamar beat the third best at signing, which is Russell Wilson. He beat that by 11 million. And then the fourth most, which is Jalen Hurts, by 25 million. So yeah, he got a great fair market deal in that category. And so Bobby, obviously, if you compare it to what the Browns gave to Sean Watson, uh, it's not as much, not close. But here's the thing. Most teams aren't as desperate as the Browns and that was made abundantly clear when, you know, he was able to check out the market with that non-exclusive tag and I hope that doesn't detract though from how well Lamar made out here and here's a very important key, very important because a lot of people say, "Well, he had 133 million in September and this is only 135, but remember, the 135 is over 5 years. That 133 million, that was offered back in September that was over 6 years. So that's an undeniable improvement for Lamar in the fully guaranteed category. So in the end, I join Peter King in applauding both Lamar and the Ravens for finding this middle ground it's cause to celebrate. I also applaud the Ravens for finally getting the weapons around Lamar at wide receiver that he needs to take another step. From to me, This whole thing was a win-win for both sides. And now they can get back to work on trying to bring a third Lombardi trophy to Baltimore.
2: And along those lines, by the way, Eric DaCosta opened up in a recent interview with Pro Football Talk about negotiating with Lamar. So just in case you missed it, go on back and listen to episode number 261 in the archives from our impromptu live stream on Wednesday night. It's over an hour and we jam packed it and we had every, just about every single clip of EDC with analysis in there, instant reaction, all that good stuff. So go check that out. But still to come here on the vault, EDC is on a roll with additions to his roster this off season. And now he's locked up. What we feel is the projected starting corner, Cross from Marlon Humphrey come this fall.
1: All right, Bobby. So I'm going to steal the words of Torrey Smith. Eric DaCosta has been cooking. The Ravens GM already signed Odell Beckham Jr., as we know. He closed that Lamar deal. He drafted Zay Flowers and company in that 2023 class. And now he has inked the new projected starting cornerback, and 26-year-old veteran Rock Yassin.
2: We all knew this signing was coming, right, Sarah? I mean, come on. The process began back in March when Yassin visited the Under Armour Performance Center, went through a workout, they remained in contact, and finally put ink to paper on Wednesday on a one-year deal worth up to $6 million. That's according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. And Sarah, you know, it was smart of EDC to wait until now because remember, this is important. After May 1st, it's currently May 4th, at the time of this taping, free agent signings after May 1st no longer count against the compensatory pick formula, which means the Ravens are still in position to keep the projected fourth-round pick for Ben Powers. Remember, he departed for Denver back in March.
1: Yeah, and now, Bobby, Baltimore has 10 cornerbacks on the roster, and that doesn't even include Kyle Hamilton or Darius Washington, who both will probably see time in that nickel role. And there's also Brennan Stevens and a boatload of younger players, including Jalen Armour Davis, Pepe Williams, and then newly drafted rookie Caillou Blue Kelly. There's more I haven't even named. So with all these 10 cornerbacks, where does Rockya fit into the mix?
2: Well, when you look at the contract payment he just received, Sarah, I mean, he's certainly got to be looked at as the projected starter across from Marlon Humphrey or at the very least the favorite to win the job. Um, He's got 38 NFL starts under his belt between the Colts and Raiders. And honestly, when you look at the numbers, he keeps getting better and better with experience. The QB rating when he was targeted back in 2020 was was 98.7 then it was 88.8 in 2021 and then 82.6 last season so uh, remember he's doing this as a physical press corner with 88 percent of his snaps on the outside so those are impressive numbers now his downfall like many corners especially we've seen this in baltimore over the years injury history He's missed 13 games over the last three seasons, including six last year with a knee setback. So uh, that's out there, but he did pass his physical. The Ravens clearly seem to be confident in the medical side of things, and he's believed to be healthy. He also caught up with Garrett Downing of Ravens Productions not long after signing his deal. Here's Rock.
1: And Rock, when you get on the field this fall, what do you think you're going to bring? What do you think Ravens fans should expect
2: when they watch you play?
5: Just aggressive, you know, aggressive mentality. You know, tough, physical,
2: you know, uh, competitive style of play. Just a dominant competitive style of play. And, and lastly, you know, the Ravens have, you know, open cornerback spot there. I'm sure you're going to come in and compete for that. What are your thoughts about competing to start opposite of Marlon Humphrey on this defense? I mean, that's, that's, that's a great opportunity for me. I feel like if all the guys competing for that spot, I mean, we're all going to fight tooth and nail to to get that spot play next to a guy like that, you know, all-pro, Pro Bowl caliber player like that, that he is.
1: All right, so the Ravens on paper seem to kind of like just be set at corner. But as you know, as we both know, you can never have enough with the amount of injuries that players at this position sustain, including Rakia Sin, as you just went over there, Bobby. So everyone wants to know, this is the question, does this signing of Rakia Sin – eliminate the possibility of bringing back fan favorite Marcus Peters?
2: Yeah, I think to answer that, I'm going to have to defer to Jeff Zarebeck of The Athletic because he's been the one who's really just been all over this news since March. And, you know, he recently wrote the following quote. It'll be interesting to see whether the Ravens are done at the position. Peters is still available. Marcus, of course. So is Kyle Fuller, who tore up his knee in week one last year. If DaCosta signs another corner, that probably would be pretty telling of the readiness of the young corners Baltimore currently has, close quote.